Hello everyone and welcome to Music for a While. I'm Jay Nordlinger, music critic of the New Criterion. The other day I was writing about a live stream from the Metropolitan Opera. It included a slice of La Rondine, the opera by Puccini, actually as close to an operetta as he ever wrote. It contains one of the most famous arias in the world, Quil bel sogno di Doretta, also known as Doretta's Song. This particular slice, however, was a duet, strictly speaking more like a quartet because there are two couples involved in addition to other voices. But mainly it is a duet, and a stirring, beautiful, thrilling one at that. Bevo al tuo fresco sorriso. I drink to your fresh smile. Yes, this is a toast all about love, romantic love. I'll play you the most thrilling recording ever made of it. Antonio Papano, now Sir Antonio Papano, conducting the London Symphony Orchestra and others. The soprano, Angela Giorgiu. The tenor, Roberto Alagna. Here's Giacomo Puccini doing his thing.
freshest music-making ever, more or less. Giorgio and Alanya, with Antonio Papano and others, in Bevo al tuo fresco sorriso, from La Rondine, by Puccini. Again, I'm Jay Nordlinger, music critic of the New Criterion, bringing you music for a while. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, you may do so via iTunes, Google Play, and so on. If you'd like to write to me, the address is nordlinger at newcriterion.com. If you'd like to sponsor our podcast, let us know. A listener writes, Jay, just heard your music for a while in which you featured Joyce DiDonato. Of course, you're right about her exemplary voice. I'm a big fan of the French mezzo Marianne Crabassa. Have you reviewed her? I've read some comments on YouTube that accuse her of using too much vibrato. Don't agree at all. And hearing Ms. Joyce just now, I'm reminded of the fact that all singers seem to commit this apparent offense. Thoughts? I hope I'm not biased toward Marianne, as she is certainly very easy on the eyes. Thanks. Keep the podcasts coming. Well, so much to say. Someone once accused William F. Buckley Jr. of having lousy syntax. Bill replied, If you had my syntax, you'd be rich. In that same spirit, I say to critics of Marianne Crabassa, If you had her vibrato, her sound overall, you'd be rich. Look, a voice has to have color, life, movement, and Crabassa has superb control over hers. She can adjust as the music demands. Have I reviewed her? Oh, heavens. I've been nuts about her for many years, ever since she made her Salzburg Festival debut. I've reviewed her in opera, a wide variety of opera, and in song. She was born in 1986 in the south of France, Occitan. We will hear her in a French song, one by Foray. It is from his song cycle Mirage, or Mirages. It is Reflet dans l'eau, Reflections in the Water, not to be confused with Debussy's famous piano piece of the same title. Foray said a poem by René de Primont, a French woman who is about a generation younger than Foray. Here is Marianne Crabassa, accompanied not just by anyone, but by one of the outstanding pianists in the world, Fazel Sai.
We've heard Reflet dans l'eau, or Reflections in the Water, by Gabrielle Fauré. Our singer was Marianne Krabassa, C-R-E-B-A-S-S-A. Our pianist, Fazel Sai, S-A-Y, from Turkey. Stick with France, the south of France in particular. Claude Bowling was born in Cannes and studied at the Nice Conservatory. He was a jazz pianist and a composer and an arranger. He recently died at the age of 90. Shall we pay a little homage? He got famous worldwide in the mid-1970s 
when he wrote a suite for flute and jazz piano. And who played the flute part but the most famous flutist in the world at that time, Jean-Pierre Rampal. We will hear the opening movement of the suite, Baroque and Blue. Rampal is on flute, bowling on piano, and they are joined by Max Ediguet, bass, and Marcel Sabiani, drums.
Broken Blue from the Suite for Flute and Jazz Piano by the late Claude Bowling. But not so late, right? Because this music will go on and on. Thank you, Mr. Bowling. A reader writes, Jay, you wrote about a true encore where a performer simply repeats what he has played or sung. It is not an additional piece, an extra piece. It is the same, repeated, encored. I've seen it happen only once. A Sviatoslav Richter recital at the old Academy of Music in Philadelphia, approximately 1970. The last piece on the formal program was the Prokofiev Seventh Sonata. Richter's encore was the third movement of the same, only louder and faster. <laughs> yes, that is often done. We're talking about the Precipitato, which concludes the Sonata Number no. 7. That's how the movement is marked, Precipitato. You play it precipitously. Well, let's hear Richter in recital in 1970. Not in Philadelphia, but in London. Did he repeat the precipitato on this occasion? I bet he did. But we have only the performance of the complete sonata on the formal program. Let's hear that third movement. Go ahead, Richter.
The third movement of Prokofiev's Piano Sonata No. 7, Precipitato, played live in London in 1970 by Sviatoslav Richter. With your permission, I'll read from a little blog post I wrote, headed Pat and Me. Over the last 40 years, I've noticed the name Pat Matheny. It means something to me. I'll get to that in a minute. Pat Matheny is a jazz guitarist and composer, born in Missouri in 1954. He's a very big deal. I will quote from the Wikipedia entry on him. Matheny has three gold albums and 20 Grammy Awards and is the only person to win Grammys in 10 categories. A new album of his, From This Place, came my way. The label is none such. I've listened to it and walked down memory lane. When I was in my mid-teens, I had a friend who was a very good pianist, cellist, and composer. His realm was classical. I lost touch with him before the end of high school. Do not know what his life became. He asked me to go to a Pat Metheny concert with him. He's fantastic, my friend said. Really talented, really good. I had never heard my friend praise a non-classical musician. I didn't even know he ever listened to non-classical music. His words really got my attention. Thanks to Google, I know that the concert was on Sunday, April 12, 1981, at 8 p.m. The venue was Hill Auditorium in Ann Arbor, Michigan, my hometown. The tickets were 650, 750, and 850. I think we had the $7.50 seats, quite a splurge. Just as an aside, I see that the Pat Metheny group played in Miller Auditorium in Kalamazoo the night before. In Miller Auditorium, I saw my first opera, Carmen, when I was about 12, I think. My great-aunt took me. I was bored stiff. I got to like it later, trust me. I did not stay very long at the Pat Metheny concert. For one thing, I wasn't used to the amplification. I'm still not. Years later, in 2014, I wrote an essay called Down with Eleven on the over-amplification of American life. I will quote a paragraph. Complaining about the sound of music, not in the Julie Andrews sense, is a classic expression of fogeyism. But I can plead this. If I'm a fogey, I always have been. When I was in high school, a musician friend of mine asked me to go with him to hear Pat Metheny, a jazz guitarist. My friend said he was first rate. That night, he may well have been. But the amplification was so great, I could hardly hear him. I could not really listen to the music. It was a question of enduring the sonic assault, which I could not do for long. Okay, that's my blog post, or some of it. Now let's listen to Pat Metheny at whatever volume we want. In 1993, he made an album called The Road to You. The opening number is Have You Heard, which we will hear.
Have You Heard by Pat Metheny, played by Pat Metheny and his group. Paul Jacobs wrote a tribute to John Weaver, 
who passed away on February 1st. Jacobs is one of the top organists in America and in the world. He is chairman of the organ department at Juilliard. Weaver was his predecessor and teacher. Writes Paul Jacobs, At the organ console, John Weaver resembled a large kid playing in a tiny sandbox, but his imposing physical stature belied a modest nature and genteel personality. He never actively sought the limelight, but accolades steadily accrued over a long performing career as one of the most celebrated organists of his generation. As a teacher, Weaver's influence on the American organ scene was profound. Generations of students, including myself, eagerly absorbed his ideas. Having spent two years at the West Point Military Academy, John was a stickler for punctuality and order. He preferred students to play from memory, even in lessons, to ensure every note was thoroughly considered. But he was hardly rigid when it came to musical interpretation. Organ playing should be exciting. This is rule number one, he would say. And if we have to break all the other rules, so be it. John gave differently but generously to each student. And a few years ago, I expressed the impossibility of repaying him for everything he had done for me. He replied, don't try, you can't, but do it for others. Again, that was Paul Jacobs on John Weaver. Shall we hear Weaver play? One of the things organists do is improvise or write variations. Here is Weaver playing his variation on the great hymn Sine Nomine with some saints go marching in thrown in.
John Weaver playing his variation on Sine Nomine. Well, I've heard a few Leontine Price recordings in my time and have watched a few videos. But a couple of weeks ago, I saw and heard something for the first time. On April 2nd, 1961, Price went on the Ed Sullivan Show and sang the Lord's Prayer, the setting by Malott. That would be Albert Hay Malott, M-A-L-O-T-T-E, an American from Philadelphia who lived from 1895 to 1964. Leontine Price is a soprano, as you know, one of the most glorious ever. In this performance, however, she sounds very, very mezzo-y, doesn't she? At any rate, thank you, everyone, and I'll talk to you soon.